Welcome to the Southland Christian Ministries podcast. Here we will post sermons that have been spoken at the camp from pastors, evangelists, and other gifted speakers. We desire to provide this resource to help you saturate yourself with the Word of God on a regular basis. We pray that you would allow the Spirit of God to use the Word of God to change your life for God's own glory. It's a great honor and privilege to be here with you all. I've enjoyed a good bit of fellowship already uh, late this afternoon and over dinner, and I'm getting reacquainted with some folks that I've known over the years and making some new friendships as well along the way and getting acquainted. So uh, thank you for the privilege of being here. I was... I was born in Georgia, raised in Alabama, schooled in South Carolina, youth pastored in Tennessee, pastored two churches in North Carolina. My mother's from Florida, my dad's from South Alabama, so I'm kind of partial to a certain part of the country, okay? And uh, I married a girl from New Jersey, though, and that kind of broadened my horizons a little bit. Uh, Coastal New Jersey, near New York City. Her name is Ellen, and uh, I like to keep her picture right here on the front of my phone. So. That's Ellen, and uh, we've been married 44 years and have uh, four children, two boys, two girls, and uh, six grandchildren, a seventh on the way, but we right now have three boys and three girl grandchildren. So we're blessed indeed. God is so good. And uh, My wife's father pastored the same church in New Jersey for 61 years. He started when he was 24, and he finished up when he was 85. He's with the Lord now. And... Uh, so uh, the Lord has given, really given to us a great heritage. I want to say a word of thanks to Brother Mike Herbster and uh, to his family. I, it's hard for you guys maybe to believe it. I, kn- I didn't know him, but I, 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 he, we were around one another when he and his twin brother, uh, Mark, were just little guys. I mean, like probably four and five years of age. Uh, their mom and my wife were friends, and they used to work together on the campus there at Barge Hospital, and, um, and of course his brother Matt as well, who's their older brother, and it's just been a fabulous uh, privilege for me to know the Herbsters, and these, these brothers uh, model to me what, what younger, from my perspective, what younger men of God ought to be men, uh, men of God. And uh, they are an encouragement to me. I've got to tell you a quick story. Years ago, um, my, my widowed mother was down in Florida visiting her sister and had to go into the hospital with uh, some type of, I think, a blood clot in her lungs. My wife and I were in New Jersey. We were out to eat. It was Christmas Day. And uh, so I got a phone call while we were out at a diner in New Jersey, and there's nothing quite like a New Jersey diner. Amen. And uh, so we got that phone call, and I got the word from my aunt that my mother was in the hospital or needed to go, would be okay to take her. And so, so that meant we cut our trip short, uh, drove back to South Carolina, dropped my wife off, went to Florida, picked up, was there that week with my mom. She was in the hospital, and then... On a beautiful Saturday morning, early Saturday morning, I, I drove my mom from Gainesville, Florida, to uh, back to her home in Hartsell, Alabama. She was okay. And uh, we drove by Dothan, Alabama, which is uh, where my dad is buried. He went to be with the Lord in 2008. I hadn't had my devotions that morning because it was so early when we left Gainesville. So I decided to have my devotions at the Big Creek Methodist Church Cemetery where my 
my dad and, and actually five generations of McAllisters are, are buried there. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. had ministry at that church for three months and a school there in the year 1900. So we go way back with uh, Jones family connections. And so I had my devotions that morning and read, I was in my Bible reading program, so it was, I think it was Malachi 3 and 4, it was, it was uh, Revelation 22, Proverbs 31, and probably Psalm 150, and just kind of got off in a corner by myself. And, and that morning uh, was a very special time. My mom's over at Dad's gravesite. It's, it's a beautiful morning in South Alabama, uh, out in the country, and that morning, I actually, I, I rededicated my life to the Lord. It was a very special time. And then I drove mom on back up another five or six hours to where she lived in Harsel. So we'd been driving all day, and she had to get out and walk periodically while we were driving. So it was an extra long day. And I was headed into one of the most difficult uh, weeks of my life, and I knew I was heading into a storm because of other circumstances. And so... Um, it was, I was heading into stress, and it was, it was New Year's Eve, December 31st, central time was 11 p.m., I'd had a really long day and a few long days before that. I remember putting my head down on the pillow in a little twin bed in my parents' house, and as my head hit the pillow, I got a text. It was a text from Mike Herbster. It was a, it might have been a group text, but I took it personally. I think it was a personal text. And he, he said some kind things to me. And it came at just the right moment. Amen. You know what I'm saying? So here was a thoughtful man being kind to an older man. And I've never forgotten it. That's been, that's been over 12 years ago. I get a lot of text, but that's a text I'll never forget. So perfectly timed. I don't know what your personal circumstances are, whether this might be in your life. Uh, maybe it's a good season for you. I hope it is. But it, it might be that this is a, a stressful time or the accumulation of things building up makes this weekend a time when, when you really personally feel like you need to hear from the Lord. We're here to encourage, we're here to challenge, and we're, we're here not, not to hear from me, if you understand, but we're here to hear from God. That's, he's the one that matters. His voice must be clear to our hearts. And I'd like to speak this weekend to you on the topic of refreshing renewal Living a grace-paced life. Refreshing renewal, living a grace-paced life. So tonight, I'm going to, by God's grace, attempt to preach uh, two major points of this message. And then tomorrow night, I'll preach the other third point. Saturday morning, I'll plan to elaborate a little bit on things. Tomorrow morning, in our devotional time, I'll talk about grace, and then tomorrow at noon for the noon meal devotional, I'll, I'll talk about applications of living out a life that is paced by the work of God's grace in our lives in a very practical way. 
So, so tonight, I would like to begin by saying in this topic is that, is that the Christian life begins with the renewal of conversion. It begins with the renewal of conversion. Let me, before I go there, let me, let me give a little better introduction to what we're talking about tonight. Why do we need renewal and refreshment? Why do we need revival in our hearts. It can be some personal issues. It can be family matters. I sat by a lady on a plane today, and, and as we got near the end of the long flight, uh, she, said, she said, I'm in the midst of a divorce. And tears welled up in her eyes, and she began to share just a tad about her situation. Family matters. Interpersonal strain. Employment issues, heavy workload, long hours, maybe financial difficulties, declining health can create a need for renewal. The accumulated effects of aging, the loss of a friend, of a, of a family member, of a parent, of a spouse. Perhaps, perhaps you have a discouraged wife. Or maybe your wife has a discouraged husband. Hey, perhaps you're dealing with a rebellious or, or difficult child of which almost every family has one. Maybe you are the difficult one. Can be loneliness, the lack of friendship or fellowship with like-minded men. What an opportunity you have this weekend to make some good friends for the Lord's sake. Eroded personal confidence, an accumulation of personal mistakes or misjudgments, the fear of failure, a sense of inadequacy, or the habitual failure to overcome temptation and sin. These are just suggestions, these are just ideas. That, that all give ground for why we need, we need renewal in our lives, why we need refreshment, why we need cleansing. I love what Isaiah says in Isaiah 40 and verse 31. It's, I'll be in a number of different passages tonight, but Isaiah 40, 31 says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall what? Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How is it that we could be renewed? Isaiah 40 and verse 28 speaks of God. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the creator, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint. To them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I want you to go away this weekend renewed, refreshed, revitalized, reinvigorated. Refreshed. I had something happen real special just this past Tuesday. I went on a little, well, it was more than a little trip for five days, the latter part of last week. And before I went away, my next door neighbor, Tom, who's a great friend and a Christian man, 
He said, he said I, I'd, I'd, like to, uh, I'd like to work on your lawnmower while, while you're gone. Well, years ago, Tom, Tom surprised me one Saturday evening. By He just lives next door, but he, he drove over to my house. It was about 9 o'clock. I believe it was on a Saturday night. And he said, can you come out here? He'd been out of the country for three years, um, most of that time. And I had mowed his grass for him. It was no big deal. Right next door, just mow his grass, mow my grass. Well, Tom drove into my driveway, and he gave to me a brand-new Briggs & Stratton Honda Toro uh, self-propelled lawnmower, like way nicer than the clunker push mower that I had. You ever had a push mower that's self-propelled, but you can walk faster than it, you know? And so I had that, and mine was, you know, it was a little worn, and he, he gave me that mower. But just before I went on this last trip, he said, I'd, I'd like to work on your mower a little bit. And I thought he was just, you know, well, I wondered what he was going to do, but he wanted to sharpen the, the blades on my lawnmower. We'd had a little conversation about that. So I was away, and so Tuesday about 5 o'clock, he texted me and said, would you, would you like to get your lawnmower? So I went over to his garage, and he had, he had shined up that lawnmower. Oh, yeah, he, he sharpened the blades. The blades on that lawnmower had never been sharpened since he gave it to me. He changed the oil. It had been, the oil had been changed, okay, uh, before. He changed the spark plug. He changed the air filter. He got that thing spiffied up. I can't wait to mow the grass now, okay? And I thought, isn't, isn't that like God? God? God gives to us new life. He saves us. He takes us from hell to heaven. He puts our feet on the right path, gives us a purpose for living, cleanses up our sin-cursed heart, grants to us the new birth, and then periodically it's like heaven comes down and God does it all over for us. I know you don't get saved over and over and over again, but when you really get cleaned up before the Lord, it feels a little bit like you might have gotten saved again. Don't quote me on that, okay? But uh, just saying, this is what God does. He, He renews even our new life in Christ. So I say to begin with tonight that the the Christian life begins with the renewal of conversion. Would you turn to Titus chapter 3, please, with me? Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 and verse 3 is a tremendous verse to remind us of what we are like as unsaved men. Paul includes himself in this language. He says, Titus 3.3, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers or various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another, Man, what a description of unsaved mankind right there. 
Do you work around people that are kind of like that? Do you have family members that have some of those characteristics, people who don't yet know the Lord? But you know, God specializes in saving people found in Titus 3.3. That's what he talks about in 3.4. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are many things that take place when we get saved. I think they take place essentially simultaneously. I don't know of a passage in the scripture that says, here's the exact order in which everything occurs in a split second, okay? When we get, when we get saved, we enjoy the remission of sins. We, we enjoy being forgiven by God. We, we enjoy now being in a right standing with God. That is, the very righteousness of God comes down to our account. We are released from the penalty of our sin. We experience redemption. We are bought back from the slave market of sin. We begin to experience New life, we experience the renewal as this passage talks about. We begin a process of being restored to the image of Jesus Christ. We anticipate one day enjoying the reward of heaven, not because we've earned it, just because God has granted us that. That's found in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 35, referring to heaven as a reward. But one of the things we experience that is so incredible is that we, we experience regeneration. We experience new life. God imparts to us a new nature. He puts life in our soul. Now, as born-again people, we have life toward God. This is not based on human merit. It is not based on human achievement. It is not a result of our keeping the law of God. Now, there's nothing wrong with the law of God. The moral law of God stands as the standard of righteousness, doesn't it? Essentially, that's the Ten Commandments. The law is a standard of righteousness, but it is not a means by which we obtain a right standing with God. People want to take the Ten Commandments and turn them into a stair step to heaven. They think if I can, if I can walk up those steps, then I've walked my way into heaven. No, that's not the way it works. Or somebody thinks if I, if I do more good than bad in my life, then somehow God will look on that favorably and he'll, he'll let me into heaven based on at least what I think are, are my good works, which the Bible says actually are are filthy rags because they're the works of self-righteousness. Romans 8, 3 and 4 says, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. 
We don't become antinomian. We don't become anti-law. We don't, we don't uh, become legalist. No. We, we rather recognize that now, because of God's grace, by new life in Christ, God puts within us a desire to please the Lord by keeping the law in the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Yeah. don't mean to be overly complex here tonight as we get started. Jesus told a very highly informed religious man that came to him by evening. We have the record of this in John chapter 3. And Jesus is saying to him, to Nicodemus, don't, don't you know? You have to be born again. You must be born again. You'll not go to heaven unless you are born again. Same idea of, of, the, of regeneration, of that new life that is imparted to our souls. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says... If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We get a new master. We get a new life. We get a new message, which is be ye reconciled to God. We get a new purpose for living. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you, we pray you, he says in Christ's dead, be ye reconciled to God. I'm asking you tonight, have you begun at the starting place? Have you, has your life, have you personally received the free offer of salvation that comes by the grace of God because Jesus Christ himself, God's only son, God's perfect son, God's unique son, came from heaven's glory, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life on earth, and then voluntarily went to the cross of Calvary and shed his blood there and gave up his life there to pay the full penalty of your sin and mine. Have you looked on that and realized that Jesus paid it all, you received him as your Lord and Savior, he's yours, and now because you've received him, he has brought you into his family, made you whole, given you new life, and you were born again. Do you know when you were born again? Has there been a time in your life where you have consciously turned from your sin to the Savior, placed your only confidence in him? Have, has a result of that, have you seen in your life a transformation? It, it, might, it might be slight, it might be initially uh, you know, a hard thing to enter into all the, the, uh, all the aspects of new life, but over time you, you realize you're different. One thing you realize when you're saved is that you can't sin and enjoy it anymore, okay? Somebody said, sinners leap into sin and love it. Saints lapse into sin and loathe it or hate it. That's, that's one sign that you've really been saved is that your orientation towards sin is, is changed. Your orientation toward God has changed. Your orientation toward other people has changed. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about that. 
And so have you been born again? A couple weeks ago, I went to a, a funeral back in my home area, Decatur, Alabama. 88-year-old godly man went to be with the Lord and uh, well-known, large family. And so we went back. My brother came down from Ohio and I came over from South Carolina. And so the visitation was a week ago Wednesday night. And, and so we went to that. And then, and then the funeral was going to be the next day, Thursday at 1 o'clock. And so we had, we had a few hours together. And so my brother and I drove around the old home places and landmarks and schools and things of notoriety to us that mean a lot to us growing up. And one of those was the place in which I was saved. I was not saved in a church building. And I came under conviction by going to a Bible-believing church like you're from and hearing our pastor. You know what his name was? His name was Jack Spratt, okay? So Jack Spratt, Dr. Jack Spratt, William Henry Lee, Jack Spratt was our pastor. And he preached the gospel. And he would say, at the end of his gospel presentations, he would say, don't put it off. Don't put it off. He was a pleading preacher. You know, I like pleading preachers. I think that's what preachers should do. I think it's not just enough to present the truth and it's kind of sterile and take it or leave it, but actually do something with it. That's what we're asking this weekend, for you to do something with the truth of God that you're hearing. And so he would say, don't put it off. Well, I, I wanted to be saved. I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven. I, I knew I needed to be saved. And so Dr. Spratt allowed me to run church errands with him in his 1957 Studebaker. It was a brown car. And then, and then one morning we were out in that trip together and he pulled off the side of the road at Church Street in Decatur, Alabama. And he led me to the Lord on the, at the front seat, on the front seat of his 1957 Studebaker. He happened to write the date down, so it's easy for me to remember, January 12th, 1960, if you can believe that. It's been a long time ago. But I can still remember the burden was lifted, and I was born again. I hope you have a clear memory of that for yourself. Not everyone does. The assurance of your salvation is not based upon having a historical remembrance of all the details. I'm not suggesting that's the basis of our assurance of salvation. But it does help. Can I put it that way? It does help. And maybe you have that. But whether you have that clear memory of the details or whether you just know that at a certain point in your past, God transformed your life when you put your faith in. Be sure you know you're saved. The Christian life begins with the renewal of conversion. That's what I'm saying, okay? Amen. Second main point tonight. The Christian life is sustained by the renewal of cleansing. The Christian life is sustained by the renewal of cleansing. Would you turn in your Bibles, please, with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at a mainly going to look at a verse or two there, and then I'm going to elaborate, and we're going to talk about the concept of cleansing from various passages in the New Testament. And then give you what I would say is here, it's not exactly a footnote, but it's, a, it's something to keep in mind. I think Ephesians 4, 17 through 5, 17 or 18 is one of the most important sections of Scripture, and especially for us men. 
it is a straight up uh, set of commands. It deals in a straightforward way with sins that we as men sometimes struggle with. If I'm struggling, if I just need God to just take a two by four and hit me in between the eyes with it and uh, straighten my life up, I'll, I'll flee to Ephesians 4, 17 through 5, 17. It's a great passage. Let me begin reading with 4, 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them through the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that, can, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And here's our word. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And then he starts dealing with more with specifics such as lying and anger and giving place to the devil and stealing and speaking corrupt speech and grieving the spirit. And on the list goes. These, this is one of these vice lists, if you will. But what he's really saying, he's not just naming negatively sin, but he's saying, put off these things, put on these things of righteousness and holiness. He's saying here, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now let's face it that actually the culprit, the problem, the enemy is sin. Sin will make things old that should be new. Sin will wear you out. The way of the transgressor is hard. Guilt comes from sin. It's real guilt. It's not just guilty feelings, but it's knowing that your life is not in sync with God's word, with, with God's truth. And we live in a culture that is permeated with opportunities to fall and fail and come short of the glory of God. Most of us have in our pocket what I call the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. <laughs> Okay, and this has a case on it, but if it didn't, you would see that there, it's actually got an apple with a bite out of it on the back, okay, which kind of, under my, which kind of underscores the, the idea. Now, it's not a perfect analogy, and I know it's not, but I'm just saying there's, it, it can be a great tool for good. I've got study Bibles, I've got, i do a lot of Bible study right there on my phone. Books that would be this thick to hold. You can access enormous my, uh, amount of good information and certainly good 
Bible teaching and sermons galore and so on and so forth, but it can also be a phenomenal stumbling block. And so I'm saying tonight that, that we're all made of the same sinful stuff. We have a new nature as believers, but we still have an old nature. That old nature may lie dormant seemingly, but its lust can easily be fanned and can turn into a raging fire. And so one of the things that we have to deal with in our Christian life is the ongoing process of fighting against sin. Thank God greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We can live in victory by the grace of God, by the power of God, by the word of God. He's given to us everything we need for life and godliness, the Bible says. We have all these wonderful resources at our fingertips, but we've got to deal with sin. We've got to deal with sin. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 7.1. I really think this is a great verse. 2 Corinthians 7.1. He's just gone through the passage on not being unequally yoked together. 6.17. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. It's pretty black and white at the end of 2 Corinthians 6. There's no common ground between between that which is right and that which is wrong, that which is true and that which is false, that which is of God and that which is of Belial or Belial, if you want to put it that way, or Satan. And then he says this, and he includes himself in the wording. I'm always encouraged that Paul includes himself in these passages on struggling. And he says, let us therefore, 7-1, let us therefore cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's a good verse to learn to pray. I pray that verse. Oh God, cleanse me from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Aren't you glad 1 John 1-9 is in the Bible? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't you love that verse? Boy, I'm glad that's in the, in the Bible. I'm actually glad the surrounding verses are there as well. It, one of them says, if we say we have no sin, uh, we, we make him a liar. Okay. I mean, if somebody thinks they're living in a state of sinless perfection, 1 John 1.8 through 1.10 uh, pretty well is convincing to me. And actually, 2.1 says this. Brethren, these things I write, little, little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Right? Aren't you glad about that? Now, we don't, we don't make excuses for our sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says that... that uh, that God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God provides an escape. Sometimes we're looking for what? An excuse. 
But we should not be easy on ourselves. We should be hard on ourselves. We should be gracious toward other people and their struggles and encouraging and helpful to them. But we should be, we should be hard on ourselves. But then we should also claim the release that God has given when we do stumble and fall. And it is to do this. It is to confess. To confess means to say the same thing. That's what the word literally transliterated. Uh, its etymology has to do with saying the same thing. If we say the same thing about our sin that God says. In other words, if we agree with God that we've done wrong, then he says, I will cleanse that sin. I will cleanse you, he says, from all unrighteousness. I like the broadened application of that. You deal with what you know to be sin and you come clean with God and there's probably a lot of other stuff that we are not even aware of that we are, that we are guilty of, but it's like God just gives us one of those big old Saturday night baths and he just cleans us all up. Don't you like that? <laughs> Cleanses us from all unrighteousness. James 4, 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you or near to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. David says this in Psalm 51, verse 10, 12, and 17. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew, there's our word, and renew a right spirit within us, within me. Rejo restore unto me the joy of thy salvation." The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O oh God, thou wilt not despise. The Christian life is sustained. It is sustained by the renewal of cleansing. I've been driving my old uh, 2011 uh, Toyota Camry uh, a lot in the last couple of months. I drove it 1,800 miles in five days late last week through, through Sunday night. Uh, just a lot, of, a lot of driving, a lot of ministry miles, other miles. And uh, I kind of pride myself on, on I wash my own car, okay? Now, if you do something different, if you take it to the car wash or you have your wife wash it, that's, that's up to you, okay, however you want to do it. But I, I'm like, I can get a bucket of water and put some detergent in it and I can wash it up and baby it a little bit and I can have it done by the time I would have gone to the car wash and come back. But I've been out on the road. And so the, for the first time in a very long time, plus I don't like to spend that money on that car wash. You can get some cheap car washes today, but... So I was in Indianapolis, and my car was filthy. It was just filthy from road salt and all kind of stuff. And I'm like, I'm going I'm to be around people, and I'm not going to be home for a while. When I get home, I know it's going to be, how am I going to wash it? And so I, I did what I haven't done in forever. I took it to something called Crew Car Wash. And I paid $12 for what's called, I think it was a basic car wash. And I sat in that car. And I went through that, and I haven't been through that in I don't know how long. And it, I got it on video. I could, I could show it to you on my phone. It was, it was so good. 
And so they start that soapy water, and then, and then they spray a little bit, and then those big flaps start coming on your windshield and hitting the side windows and the top of the car. And they would, if you want to spend some money now, you can spend some money on a car wash. They'll wash it underneath, and they'll, they'll just do about everything in the world. But I just got the basic. I didn't know what my car was going to look like coming out of there. I've always kind of been afraid car wash is going to do harm to my car. But it came out of there. And I took myself a picture of my now really clean car. <laughs> I did a little vacuuming on that car. And, and here the other day in Winchester, Virginia, I had another filthy car. I'd been driving through rain and mist and muck and interstate and lots of miles. And I was going to be preaching this church. And, you know, you the preacher drive up and it's old cruddy. They don't know what I've been doing. You know, they just know that preacher never washes his car. So I thought, I better get this car. So I took it to a car wash this past Saturday morning in Winchester, Virginia. Paid $10 for that car wash, basic car wash. Went through the same process. It felt so good. I got that car through that thing, and this place was a little more equipped. They had a better vacuum unit, and they had some rags out there you could use to kind of get it kind of touched up a little bit more. And Man, I was, I was so proud of my 2,000, 195,000 mile Camry, black Camry. I'm just like, it's clean, dude. It's clean. feels so good. You know, when you get right with God as a believer and get cleaned up, thoroughly cleansed, this is not why we do it, but it feels so good, doesn't it? Right? Okay. You're a new, you're a new person. Your wife will know it, your children will know it, your friends will know it. Something's changed about Bob, about Tom, about Henry. Something's changed. If there's the crud of sin residing on your life, I'd say this would be a real good night to get it all cleaned up. The Christian life is sustained by the renewal of cleansing. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Thank you for listening to God's Word tonight. How many of you men would say tonight that, I know I'm saved, I know I'm born again heaven. Thankful to God for that. I have the assurance of my salvation. How many of you would say, I've been saved, I know I'm saved, how many of you there? Okay, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good. Thank you. You can put them down. If before the Lord tonight, you, you know that you're either not saved or you're not sure if you're saved, let me urge you tonight to get that matter settled. You must be born again. Tonight would be the best night. By the way, you'll never get saved tomorrow. Tomorrow will never come. Let it be your day of salvation. Call on the Lord. Call on the Lord right where you are. There are plenty of people here that know how to take you through the plan of salvation. Know Christ as your Savior to be born again. Do that tonight. Would there be some men here tonight that would say, Brother Bruce, God has spoken to me through His Word. He's been dealing with me. I know there's some things in my life that are not right. 
and need to be cleaned up. And tonight, God has brought that conviction to a point tonight, and I want to be clean before the Lord. God's spoken to your heart in that way tonight. Would you raise your hand and say, He's spoken to me. I want Him to have His way in my life. Praise the Lord. Good, good, good. Praise the Lord. Lots of hands. Thank you. You can put them down. I'm going to pause for a moment, just have some quietness here, and let the pianist play. And I, I, want, you to, I want you to pray to the Lord, especially those that lifted the hand just now, and others as well. And you let God have his way in your heart. We're going to be, I'm going to be quiet. You deal with your whatever God's dealing with you about. Let him have his way, and then Brother Mike's going to come and close the service. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the truths learned from the Word of God will challenge your heart to a greater degree of love for God and a desire to make Him known through your life. Join us next time for our next sermon. Thank you and God bless.